0: I am Sherry Fletcher, and this is Your Spiritual Game Plan. Our family is going through a big transition this month, and I'd love for you to join us. I will be going from mother to mother-in-law, my husband from father to father-in-law. Our son will go from our little man to her husband. Like I always say, her roles are going to change. There will be days ahead when I'm going to question my relevance. There will be days when we're going to miscommunicate. But I know one thing for sure, even though our roles are changing, our purpose remains eternal. God has a plan for my son and his bride. The enemy has a plot against it. So I am dedicating this month to providing my son and his bride a marriage spiritual game plan. I'm so excited to be taking on this new role But before I give up my former one, I'd like to give one more piece of advice to my dear sweet son. Remember that familiar verse found in Isaiah 32.8, the words that still hang on the wall of our home today. A noble man makes a noble plan, so on noble deeds he can stand. Now, let's get this wedding theme going. Today, I am so excited to be welcoming authors Cynthia Rookdee and Becky Melby to be discussing the book that they co authored, Spouse in the House Rearranging Our Attitudes to Make Room for Each Other. Cynthia tells stories hemmed in hope through her novels, novellas, devotions, and nonfictions, as well as speaking for women's events, retreats, writers' conferences, and workshops. She draws from 33 years of experience writing and producing a 15-minute daily radio broadcast called The Heartbeat of the Home. Cynthia's more than 30 books have garnered readers, retailers, reviewers, and other industry awards. She serves as professional relations liaison for American Christian fiction writers and is founding board member of the Deliver Hope Ministry and is a part of the worship team at her church. She is also a literary agent with books and such literary management. Cynthia and her husband Bill live in the heart of Wisconsin, not far from their three children and six grandchildren. Becky Melby has authored more than 20 novels and novelas. Spouse in the House is her 1st nonfiction book release. The Melbys have four sons and 15 grandchildren and make their home in southeastern Wisconsin. When not riding or spoiling those 15 grandchildren, she may be found touring the country with her bill in their camper or on the Honda Goldwing motorcycle. So we're talking about what to do with our spouses during retirement. And I know this month I've been having guests on because my son has been getting married. And I have heard so many people talk about how this book would have helped them early on in their marriage. There are times in marriage when the hustle and the bustle of life and the demands of work and kids are just desperate for times alone. And while two's company, and especially those who love each other, what happens when due to retirement or maybe COVID or things come up, like working from home, spouses find themselves spending what feels like too much time together. When being in that same space all the time can feel awkward, complex, or annoying. What about if we set up patterns early on in our marriage of setting up boundaries and having great communication and also a pattern of serving one another and putting others' needs before our own so that when retirement comes and we're having to spend a lot of time together, we already have these systems put in place. Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about with Becky and Cynthia today. We're going to be taking a frank and funny look at what to do when time together seems like maybe too much of a good thing. I am excited today to be um, inviting two special women into my house today. I would like to welcome Cynthia Rukti and Becky Melby. How are you guys today?
1: Doing great. Great to be here, Sherry.
0: It is so, it's a
2: joy and
1: privilege.
0: I think I think you guys know why you're here, but the listeners know that this is the month of marriage for me. I am bringing on people to discuss marriage because my son just got married um, last week. And so he's probably not listening to this. He will be on his honeymoon. shouldn't be. <laughs> he shouldn't he shouldn't be. But when he gets back, when he gets back, he hopefully will be listening to this. But we are going to be talking about your book, Spouse in the House, So I am thrilled. But I would love it before we get into that. If each one of you would share a little bit about yourself a little bit less formal than the pre-recorded bios that I um, did in the entry. And um, we are closing out the summer. It is the end of August. And so, um, I don't know if you guys, um, had a big summer
2: or whatever is going on with your ministry. If you'd love to share that, I'll start with you, Cynthia. Well, my summers are pretty much the same as my falls and my winters and my springs in regard to, the fact that our our kids live close we often can't take a major vacation during the summer often choose to do a getaway my husband and i during the fall Uh, and this year happens to be a big year of celebration for us for our anniversary so uh, we've spent part of our summer preparing for and thinking about and dreaming about what how excuse me how we're going to celebrate that big anniversary And um, we're kind of torn between, still torn, even at this point, between a train trip across Canada to Banff National Park, or uh, my heart's desire, which would be Hawaii, or possibly uh, something else that might be closer at hand, but we would have more, if you can imagine, more alone time together.
0: That'll be interesting to, more alone time together.
1: (laughs) And Becky, that's a good sign that she wants more. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. Uh,
1: We do a lot of camping. Uh, We have a pull behind camper and we're in a group of um, couples who are all retired. So we spend a lot we try to go on like a Sunday night so that we're not um, there during the busy times and we have a motorcycle. So we'll do some trips with gas prices where, you know, haven't done quite as much as in the past. Uh, We also celebrated our 50th in March, and our goal, our big dream was a European river cruise, but with all the flight restrictions and everything, we ended up going to Wisconsin Dells, which is kind of like a mini Las Vegas sort of in Wisconsin. So, um, but yeah, a a lot of time with grandkids
2: and things like that. So Becky's spouse in the house turns into spouse in the camper for a good portion of their year. Much
1: smaller space than in our house. (laughs) I see a volume
0: two coming
1: out. (laughs) Spouse in the camper doesn't have quite the same ring to it.
0: (laughs) We'll come up with a different title for sure. I'll think of that along the way, but definitely. (laughs) So I have a question that I'd like to ask each guest. So after I ask it, we'll do it. Becky will start this time. And that is looking back on your life. How far back can you look and see the very purpose that you're living out today and who you've always been?
1: About 62 years. I can go back to when I was seven. Um, My dad uh, worked for a company and he would bring home lots of little uh, notebooks, you know, tablets of paper, and I would take them and i turn them sideways and I would pretend I was writing a book. And uh, so I'd make up stories and I, you know, I no longer illustrate. I, I, My skills haven't increased since I was seven. Uh, but I just, I was passionate about writing at a very, very young age. And then I think the ministry part came in in the late 1970s when I became a believer and just mentoring to other women. I was a crisis pregnancy counselor and, um, and, and then God just kind of all has brought it together in the last few years with, uh, writing women's fiction.
2: Wow. I love hearing those stories. And you, yeah. I'd have to trace back to, to, I'm going to say to the lullabies that were sung in my ear when Ooh. I was a newborn because they all were centered on Jesus. Our home was a place where God was honored and glorified all the time. And uh, my father was a part-time band director, no, full-time band director and part-time pastor and studied uh, in, in both realms. And my mom was a a nurse. And so she was caring for people. So compassion was something I saw in my household as my mom cared for patients around her. My dad was such a beautiful and wonderful educator, but also if you can teach junior high band for 35 years that you, you've you got something going in the line of a special gift for, for teaching and, and educating. I did not make books when I was a child. I did not dream of being an author, but I could see how the love of the Lord, the love for God's word, all of that was implanted very early in my life. And then in in the beginning parts of my career, I actually studied to work in the chemistry laboratory and did that for seven years, thinking I'd be a housewife and a mom. That was my life's dream and goal at the time and uh, that the chemistry work fascinated me educationally, but every moment that I spent in the lab, I wished I were home with my kids because by that time my kids were toddlers. So we made that difficult decision to stay home shortly after for me to stay home and go to one income. And shortly after that, I was given the opportunity, unlike you Sherry, I didn't have a microphone in my hand from the moment I was two. I didn't want to have a microphone in my hand, but I was given the opportunity to write and produce a radio broadcast, a Christian radio broadcast that met the spiritual needs of stay-at-home moms, which was not my goal, my desire. I had no interest, no anything in it, but here's the opportunity. And I knew better than to say no to God. I said yes to him. So for 33 years, I wrote and produced a radio broadcast called The Heartbeat of the Home. It was both fictional slice of life scenes for the first few minutes of the 15-minute broadcast scripted, and then a musical interlude and in devotional thoughts. So I was writing fiction and nonfiction all those years. And then toward the end of that, Ministries Run, when we knew that we would eventually have to retire that that ministry, I had already started to write books that were being published in both fiction and nonfiction, and I could trace back a long, long, long way to where that ever got started and that led to what I'm doing today. And now I'm also a literary agent, so I'm helping other people get their stories out into the world as well.
0: I love that. (laughs) I, you know, my education's dental hygiene. So even though I had a mic in my hand and I loved, I had loved getting up and singing and talking, and it didn't scare me. You know, my education was <laughs> dental hygiene. So <laughs> it was just wild to see how God weaves those mm-hmm. things in our lives. Thank you. I love that. So, like I mentioned, this is the marriage month, and I know that what we're talking about in um, as far as in aspects of my son, just getting married and or just getting married. And your book is something that in his mind is a few decades down the road. Um, but I heard you guys talking about while you were researching this book and listening to other stories, and I've heard you, men- you know, you mentioned on other people's podcasts and other people mentioned it to you, they wish they had heard about these things early on in their marriage. And so I thought, well, let's let's talk to you guys. And then as I was reading the book, I was thinking, yeah, I wish I had thought about these things too. And so this is a great, great topic to talk about. And I've been married for 30 years, so I'm getting close to having a spouse in the house. So I would love it um, if you guys would share, why is this book just, it's a tool for every marriage. So Becky, I'd love if you'd start why this book um, has been a book. For a great tool in
1: your marriage as well. I think one of the things that surprised me when, with writing this is how much I learned because of writing the book and how much I needed to learn. Because <laughs> there were times as we'd be writing, uh, I know there were times I'd call Cynthia and say, who are we to be writing this? <laughs> because there were things that I wished I had figured out 50 years ago. And a lot of it were uh, centered around my selfishness and how I felt that, you know, I had a certain way of doing things. And I thought that was the right way and didn't fully grasp that just because my husband wants to do things different, spend our money, spend our time differently. It's not wrong. It's just different. And then learning to serve. That was something else that, that came out of this is I'm, I'm far more aware of the fact that you know God is this is a ministry your marriage is a ministry God put me with this man for a purpose and it wasn't just so he could make me happy so i think that was one of the big things is is constantly asking how can i help what can i do what can i do to make his life better and if i'd started that back in the 1970s our our marriage would have missed some of those big you know bumps in the road that we hit
0: Yeah. How has it been for you, Cynthia? Uh,
2: Very much the same in a lot of ways. uh, We've been friends for quite a long time, but we didn't know each other in our early years of marriage, the two of us. We became friends in adulthood where some of those things had been figured out already, but Becky and I had been sharing back and forth. This is what I'm going through. And what do you know? The other person was going through it too. We had already pre- Agreed that we were going to love our husbands no matter what we said to each other, uh, each other's husbands, no matter what we said to each other about it. But we needed to have a, a sounding board. And as we started talking about those very things of what we wished we'd learned earlier, we realized that if we were facing that, obviously others were as well. And what do you know they were? So I knew that I could trust that Becky was going to keep my feet to the fire if, if I had been stepping out of line. And that was my problem <laughs> of the moment, problem of the day or problem de jour. But I, we both kind of looked back at people who might prepare financially for retirement and others who don't. I know a couple of friends right now who are nearing the stage of retirement and they haven't put anything away financially now they're scrambling. And we would love to have people not emotionally and relationally scramble when they get to the, the stage where they're going to be home together a lot more than they thought they would, no matter what the reason is, whether that's job loss or one one spouse taking care of the other one or uh, a military spouse who's gone a lot, but then home a lot, no matter what the situation is. but or And sometimes people find themselves, they get to retirement and they find out that they're stuck in a home that isn't going to work for them during retirement years, but they hadn't pre-planned for that. Or my parents, as an example, they set aside all the dreams of what they would do together until retirement because they were both so committed to their jobs. But dad passed away at 64, just a few months before he would have hit 65. And all of the dreams that they had saved for that another time weren't realized. And that was part that added to the grief mom had in that too. So part of this concept is getting those healthy patterns established early on so that healthy patterns of relating to one another can be a hallmark of your entire marriage, as opposed to something you have to learn how to do when all of a sudden you're in the same home all the time.
0: Yeah, I love that concept. And, you know, my husband and I went to premarital counseling and my son and his wife went to premarital counseling, but I like how you mentioned it like a pre-retirement counseling to get ready for when we have to say, okay, I still do with you all the time is something I saw that you mentioned. And, um, you know, when I think about it, I'm going to be honest, think about having my husband home all the time. Sometimes it makes my chest get tight (laughs) and, you know, the other, the other morning, um, I could see my husband wanting to talk about something, you know, they, they kind of you can kind of see they want to say something. And I, I knew he had a, a some time coming up on the calendar. I don't want to say a date, but he had a date on the calendar with some guys that were going to come over and sit on the porch and have a conversation on on the porch. And I could, I knew he didn't want me there, but I wanted to see how he was going to ask me not to be there. <laughs> I could tell I didn't want me to be there and it's fine, um, you know, and I wanted to see, you know, how he was going to say, do you have to be here? And so what are some healthy ways, some ways that we can prepare for these changes, these conversations when we don't want to have to be around someone all the time?
2: For me, I think Becky kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier is it's setting a goal of blessing each other. Mm-hmm. As we're approaching any time where we're where we're sharing the same space, is setting a goal of blessing each other, rather than setting a goal of fighting for our own wants or our own needs. Or you know, sometimes even I might have a tight shoulder, and think to myself, I just wish he would just reach over and rub my rub my tight shoulder, rub the muscles there. If I turn that around and I think, I wonder what would happen if I rubbed his shoulder as opposed to seeking out my own needs to be met. Usually because I married a good man, he will turn around and want to rub my shoulder too, just by as a natural reflex. If we consider how that, and then another thing for me in preparing for a time like this was figuring out a little bit too late. So I had to kind of go back to remedial classes on this was to really study each other without making assumptions. So I had to study my husband wonder hubby to find out how did he learn best? How did he listen best? What was what were the best ways I communicated that would really get through to him? Or if I used my method of communicating with the assumption that that was his method of receiving communication, was that going to work? Not at all. It took me almost 25 years to realize that my husband needed three days to think about a thought before he could make a decision about it. That didn't mean he was uh, unintelligent. It meant that that was the pattern that worked best for him. I think in three-point plans, he needs three days. There, there was, it was no skin off my nose to allow him three days. So instead of saying, well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? If instead I said, here's an idea, You don't have to answer it right now. Um, Take a few days to think about it. And then can we talk about it again? He's so much more open to the idea of then our discussing it without feeling threatened. And I don't feel threatened that he's not agreeing with me right away. Mm.
1: I think when we go back to that, that whole idea about the premarital counseling, think of your dating years. You spend hours generally talking about hopes, dreams, needs, wants, and then we're together for decades, probably raising children, having our separate careers. And all of a sudden, if it's retirement or working from home or whatever it is that lands you in the same space 24-7, all you know, if you haven't thought that through ahead of time, suddenly you're with this person that you don't know possibly as well as you did when you got married because you haven't had that time to talk about all of that. So Any, you know, if you have, you know, people in the last few years haven't always even had a warning of suddenly being together. But if you've got time to prepare as you're planning for retirement or planning for, you know, working, you know, remotely from home, talk about those hopes, dreams, needs and desires and, uh, you know, give give your spouse room to just explore dreams. I, I pushed my husband before retirement. It's like you need to have a list. You need to, you know, have all of these projects that you want to do and places we want to go. And he said, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around what it's going to be like to have that much time that I can choose what to do, you know, with that time. So I had to, you know, like Cynthia said, I had to give him his space after he retired and accept the fact that there was going to be this period where he was in the recliner, maybe more than I thought he should be. Mm But he was using that time to dream is something that I didn't realize, you know, I'd had a lot more freedom over the years of being a stay-at-home mom and working from home. He didn't have that luxury of being able to say, what should I do today? What should I do this week or this year? And 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 then as he had time to think, then I would try to draw him out with those conversations like, you know, what do you where do you think we should go for vacation or, you know, what would you like to do with the guys? And that that was one thing that was important is how do we spend our how do I say, hey, I want to go meet Cynthia for lunch and spend a day in Madison, Wisconsin with her without him feeling like, oh, she doesn't want to be with me. So being able to say, you know, I would like some time to be with my friends. I, you know, give you that freedom. Uh, What do you need? How much space do you need? And I'm a person who needs alone time. And even in our early marriage, that was kind of hard for him to understand. But as we talked about it, realizing it's not a rejection of you, it's just of meeting my needs.
2: There was one other thing, if I could add that too, that came up as we were writing the book even uh, I can't remember now who said it, but it it is so true that if either of us tries to make the our spouse our hobby, we're going to wind up with problems. So a hobby is a hobby, a spouse is a spouse. But if if in retirement or when we're alone together a lot for whatever reason, if our spouse is our hobby, it's going to wind up rubbing somebody the wrong way for sure. But again preparing by having a mindset that's the subtitle of the book is rearranging our attitudes to make room for one another and i keep coming back to that because it oftentimes is just like that sometimes it's actual furniture furniture rearrangement but it's mindset rearrangement as well mm, i like that you know your book
0: um, i know it's geared towards a retirement mindset but we're in this covid generation now where we've got spouse in the house for many different reasons. And so I know sometimes um, I, now that I'm writing and podcasting from home, I'm in the home all day. um, And there's times when my husband will work from the home as well, or he will be at the home. And the the different um, expectation is uh, when I'm home all day, sometimes he'll want, I want to get out and go do something. But when he's home, he just wants to sit home and um, I know with uh, my son, some of his work will be at home and his wife will be in the office. And I'm just thinking there's going to have to be some give and take because he'll want to come, he'll want to get out when she gets home and she'll want to come home and sit home. <laughs> and all that different that dynamic, it's just so much to think about. Um, any ideas on those dynamics?
1: I think accepting our different <laughs> rhythms is hugely important. <laughs> Um, I have four sons. They're all grown and married to wonderful women. And watching them, um, most of them are kind of introverts. They like their, you know, kind of like their mama. They like to be be home. And a couple of them have married women who love to travel, love to entertain, want to be around people. And it's it's been an a education for me to watch how they've Uh, established so maybe you know my my one daughter-in-law wants to loves to travel and so she'll take a trip with the girls you know with with either Mm -hmm. her daughter and a and another mom and a daughter or friends from college and she'll she'll take off and go for a week and and he's home and he's content to be home with the kids and and they've had to just talk through all of those those rhythms so yeah. I, I think that's one of the one of the things
2: that really helps.
0: Yeah. Um, communication. Have, oh, go ahead, Cynthia.
2: Well, I was wondering if if either of you two had to do what I had to do too, which was figuring out how to communicate when I'm interruptible and when I am not. Mm-hmm. And I think that works even in even in young, young marriages and how are we going to communicate that to one another we're not going to put up a stop sign we're not going to ignore the other person if we're if this is something we where we cannot be interrupted and everybody has to work out their own rhythm of what that's like there i have a chair beside my desk where i spend most of my day is at that desk and there's a there's a nice soft chair there and my husband will come in sit in it and then just sit there quietly like he's waiting like a puppy for a little attention and and if i either ignore him or if i sigh and turn toward him either way it's going to be a problem i have considered removing the chair but that also seems like not the smartest or the kindest thing to do but sometimes if we're just talking about it openly and can talk about the idea that if if i say to you honey and vice versa him to me but if i say to you i need to finish this sentence or this paragraph or this contract or i have an hour of really intense work can can this wait for five minutes? Can this wait for two minutes? Can it wait for an hour or doesn't need attention right now? There were times in the past where he would come plop himself there. And when I turned to him to see what it was he wanted, it was something that wasn't going to matter for four years or, or at least next month. And then he began to see the rhythm of how difficult it was for me with my personality to get back into the flow of what I was doing but I also had to make that conscious decision. I am not going to ignore him. If he comes home when I'm in the middle of something, I know what time he's going to come home. Typically, I know most close what time he's going to come home. If I tidy up something and don't get involved in another heavy project so that I can greet him, even if it's just over my shoulder, but at least can greet him when he comes home. That's made a huge difference. And just being able to communicate openly, I'm. I, it's hard for me to be interrupted right now, but please hold on to that thought because I do want to talk to you about it. It has made a big difference. I love the,
1: the intentionality of that. And I think I, I, I have a couple hours, what, what I used to do when my husband was working full-time, I would take my whole day to finish my thousand words that I wanted to come write that day. So I could do laundry and then write 200 words and then I could call a friend and and I could just do this all day long until 6.30. And so what I had to adjust to is I'll work from nine until 11.30 every morning. And so my husband knows we have time, we have our coffee in the morning together. And then at nine o'clock, I go upstairs and I shut the door, even though it's just the two of us. Um, and but then there are times if I'm working on an editing project, I will I will say I'm interruptible mm-hmm. and I'll leave the door open. So it, it just the communication. And I think we try every night before we go to bed. What's your day look like tomorrow? What do you want to accomplish? Uh, If if he has a doctor's appointment and it's in the morning, which is my writing time, I'll shift my writing time to afternoon, but communicating and those times like I love what Cynthia said about Friday mornings, my husband uh, goes out for breakfast with some guys so he comes home after I have started my writing, but I'll stop and I'll go downstairs and I'll kiss him good morning because a lot of times he leaves before I'm up. How was your breakfast and we just touch base where mm-hmm. I could just stay up here with the door shut. Uh, but just just being as available as you can be and not doing the eye roll if he does interrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I think those scheduled times of let's talk about our day. And is there anything on your mind so that so that you can use that time wisely?
2: And there is the reverse too. as we're, we're talking about this, it's not all changes we're making or all changes our husbands are making. No, it's, it's got to be all of us together that are working on this. But I noticed pretty early in marriage that if Bill was in the middle of a project that if my husband, Bill, Becky's husband is also named Bill, which is why we gave them interesting names for the book. But um, if he was working on a project, my interrupting him to ask him a question that could wait, was drastically going to complicate the process of what he was working on. So I learned pretty quickly that if I saved that, even if I had to write it down to, that I need to, oh yeah, I need to ask him what time does he want to leave this afternoon to go to town? I don't have to ask him that while he's in the middle of his project. Even if I have to write it down, it just shows him a courtesy to let him focus on what he's doing and then come back later to discuss it. But like Becky too, with the with the reconnecting, finding out if, if you want to get up early in the morning, darling, that's lovely. I do not. And in retirement, if we have, or working from home, if we have that opportunity to make those choices, I could either be miserable and get up at the hour you want to, or we could, we could get up at the times that feel comfortable for our own rhythms, but find another time then during the day that we can reconnect and and make those, make those uh, conversation conversations that we would want to naturally have with one another and acknowledge each other's presence in the home and appreciate each other's presence in the home rather than resenting it. Yeah. I like that. And
0: yeah, my space is down here. If I'm down in my basement where I'm at now, that's kind of the sign that this is where I'm working. And, you know, he'll, he'll uh, often text and he'll say, Hey, is this a good time? Or do you have a moment or Mm -hmm. something? And but if I'm upstairs, it's kind of fair game, <laughs> fair game to talk to me. But I like that, and it goes against our culture. Um, we're we're just being told. Especially, I feel so bad for this young generation. We're just kind of told, "You do you. You have. Um, it's all about you. You deserve to be happy. You deserve all these things." But yet, we're so t- we're told in the Bible, you know. You guys reference Philippians two four not to look after our own interests but to look after the interests interests of others. And so, what what single piece of encouragement would you offer to someone that's ready to prepare this you know this lifetime? Like for my son and his and his wife, that that in mind, what you know what what would you say as they get prepared to start off this life together and head off into you know spouse in the house forever?
1: I think realizing that you and your spouse and God are on the same team. That was one of the things that I wish I had learned early on because too often there was competition between us or I had this, you know, uh, righteous feeling of rightness so often that raising children was one of those, you know, the way that I disciplined the children was the right way and the way that he did it was wrong. (laughs) And understanding that you're on the same team, you want the same goals. You both want to honor God, and different. Like I mentioned before, um, different is just different. Hmm. It's it's not it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's different, and embrace that. Hmm. So that would be one of my big things: is just um, you're fighting for the same goals. It's it's kind of the you and me against the world, rather than you know. the the fighting against each other, which can so easily arise.
2: In just about any other relationship we have, we allow the person room to grow from where they are now and room to breathe. Our children, we know when they're toddlers, if we had expectations that they were going to make mature decisions, that would be false. Or, Or even in their teen years, if we had the expectation that they were going to make mature decisions that's good. we're going to be disappointed because they don't have the capacity yet but when we get into a marriage situation we don't always allow our spouse the room to grow at their pace or the room or even room to breathe or change sometimes we we expect them to think like we do we expect them to to want to move like we do or and sometimes it really does take rearranging the furniture. I had to let go of my idea that all the chairs in the living room were going to face one another so that we could have conversations, but instead realized that his chair, his recliner was going to be facing the television. And for my sake, um, it, it took some doing, it took a long time of doing, but when I learned the art of allowing him time to breathe and allowing him space to enjoy what he enjoyed for all the reasons he did that I had not given attention to. I'd not paid attention to why he wanted to watch all the baseball games on TV. Once I understood that, then I understood, okay, if, if I need, if what I need is a chair that faces a window I will find a place in the house where I have a chair that faces the window and give up my ideas. And and I don't mean that in a, oh, I'm so self-sacrificing and I'm such a martyr as a wife to do this, but appreciating his gifts and giving him, allowing him the space to grow and breathe and discover within himself. And the same for me and my understanding myself better helped a lot in all of this as well. I know that didn't sound like one single piece of advice, no, but no, it's awesome. But it's part of what has been working in both of us. I think both Becky and I, and in some of the readers that we hear from too, as they've been applying, I tried this and I had no idea the difference it was going to make, or I switched this little thing so that we're not tripping over each other, but we're able to do this dance without stepping on each other's toes.
0: Yeah. One thing that has helped me when I start to get irritated, I always think, you know, this didn't irritate me when I was dating him. I would have Mm. gladly done this when I was dating him or, you know, if he asked me to do this, I would have been so happy to do this when I was dating him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I try to think that (laughs) I know we've talked a lot about some of the things that we, you know, It sounds like it's work. It's a lot of times, okay, this is going to be a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice and it is, but it's not. So I would love to end our time together um, with each of you listing one thing that you have just really enjoyed by having your spouse in the house, Becky.
1: Just a camaraderie. Um, we make lunch together, we, we have, um, we're on different diets, and mm-hmm. but we're side by side and getting in each other's ways. And, you know, just kind of bumping into each other and joking around when we do yeah, on our good days there are. There. Yeah. <laughs> and just um, to have someone there to bounce ideas off of even watching a television show and talking about it while you're watching I have, and, and maybe we all do quite a few friends who have lost their husbands and i look at their lives and i think of the petty little things that might irritate me during the day and i'm chastised it's just that is you know i'm so grateful that god has given me a person to share life with just the the everyday small moments the taking a drive in the country and talking about the the weather um the that, that that sense of just not having to be alone it's wonderful i love that
2: i think there's a lot for me that is related to reclaiming the sense of humor that we once had reclaiming the laughter and appreciating have some having someone to laugh with having, no matter what it is a small little thing or the the silly little things that we do or accidentally say or forget or remember and being able to to not laugh at each other but together with each other gaining that sensitivity to, to understand when this is a good time to laugh. And maybe that's not such a good time to laugh about this together, but, uh, finding, finding humor where we had kind of lost it for a while. We had kind of forgotten that if all of the little foibles that happen in life, if we can find the humorous part of that or the beauty of it or the growth moment or the tenderness part of it, that, that we're going to be, um, much, much happier. But in our lives of being together a lot these days, I, I think that I'm finding that both the humor and the tenderness are gifts that I didn't realize how important they would be to me at this stage of life.
0: I love that. Thank you guys so much for coming on and blessing me and and all the listeners and and helping us look forward to having more of our spouse in the house. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my time with Cynthia and Becky as we discussed their book, Spouse in the House, Rearranging Our Attitudes to Make Room for Each Other. It was a book written with the intention of getting ready for retirement and spending more time with our spouse. But I really wanted to have Becky and Cynthia come on today to talk about marriage at any stage, because this book is really about having the mindset of going from mine to ours. And that's going to be so important as my son and his wife return home from their honeymoon. And they themselves will be switching their mindset of going from mine to ours and making their home a place of refuge and peace. If you'd like to find out more about these authors, you can find um, links to their websites and where you can buy this book, Spouse in the House, in the show notes. Imagine shifting your focus off of the hard work of trying to prove yourself to the joyful life of knowing your worth. When you join my email list, you will get the free mini guide, One Simple Way to Know You Matter Today. It is my prayer that you'll be reminded daily of all the ways you matter, more than you know. So head on over to sherryfletcher.com Click join Sherry at the top of the screen. Already a subscriber? Enter your info anyway to get the new mini guide and you will not get multiple emails. Did you know that you can help others start a spiritual game plan for their lives? When you leave a review and share this podcast, it helps me reach others. I do love hearing from you and I want to know how I can serve you in the best possible way. So be sure to subscribe to the emails and leave reviews. Thank you for tuning in to Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast. I'll see you next Tuesday.